Good to see you all today. <clears throat> a little bit warmer weather always puts a little hop in everybody's step, huh? Children's Church can go ahead and be dismissed. Very important topic today. <clears throat> Anxiety. You knew that was coming, didn't you? <laughs> no, we'll put a little twist on it. We're going to talk about God's character, specifically a character trait of God. And so, I know... Not such a great preacher up here, but don't, you don't want to miss this one in spite of me, okay? We're going to talk about some uh, character trait of God that's going to help you today. It's going to be good news for you today. So let's start out with some prayer. God, right now, just please settle our hearts. Calm our hearts. Open our ears so that they may hear. And God, please keep our eyesight right. Amen. You've never been asked this question before. (laughs) And you've filled some good questions over the times of your life, right? Uh, Stuff like, um, what time did you get in last night? How'd you do on that test? (laughs) What were you doing last night? There's been plenty of good questions. Did you clean your room? Uh, Do you want to go on a date? Good questions, right? Questions that kind of maybe made your heart stop for a second. Uh, Questions that maybe pin you into the corner a little bit. Uh, Some tough questions, some dandies, but uh, you've never had a question like this one. You've even had questions that altered your life. Do you want to enroll? Will you marry me? Questions that you had to answer that were life-altering, but you've never had one like this. It's a Jesus question. It's the king of all questions, really. It comes with a little bit of teeth, so you better ready yourself for this one. Maybe brace yourself. And Jesus really wants to know. He's not just asking a question. He's dead serious. Why are you afraid? Why? He wants to know. He's serious. We were talking, uh, me and Lillian on the way up here, we were talking about how I still get a little bit nervous up here when I talk. And I, you know... That's kind of a good thing. I I wish I didn't have to get nervous, but it's kind of a good thing. It kind of keeps you honest and on your toes and all that stuff. So she's been so nice to me, you know, because I I whipped out my sermon while we were singing for a second. You're stressing. You're stressing. (laughs) Why are you afraid? As we go through this characteristic of God today, I hope that we can ask that question in a little bit a different light, and I hope our answer could be, yeah, why am I afraid? Why? You remember when he asked that question, him and the disciples were out in the boats on the Sea of Galilee, furious squall comes over the mountains down into the lake. You remember the Dead Sea, the Sea of Galilee, or some of the lowest points on earth? Wham, that storm just rolls off the mountains and down into that lake. You, don't even, you can't even see it coming. You don't know what's coming. 
And it's not just a storm. It's not just raining. Peter uses the word seismic. Seismo is the word to describe the storm. Teacher, don't you even care if we drowned? Jesus says, why are you afraid? (laughs) So you and I could say, well, here's why I'm afraid. The money's tight. I know I got a bill next Monday and it's not there right now. You expect me not to be afraid? Coronavirus, you expect us not to be afraid? The job's teetering, teetering, I don't know. Afraid? I mean, it's almost kind of a question that has obvious answers, right? But yet he still, he asks it. In the middle of that seismo to the disciples about to drown, why are you afraid? (laughs) Sometimes it's pretty obvious why we're afraid, but yet he still asks us the question, and he's dead serious about it. He really wants to know, why are you afraid? Today we're going to talk about his faithfulness. And in light of it, we can re-ask the question, why are we afraid? And from that vantage point and that viewpoint, we can get a better answer. We can ask a better question and get a better answer. Why are you afraid? Charlie Brown says, I can remember, I've come to the point where I only dread one day at a time. (laughs) So Chuck, come on, buddy. Why are you afraid? Chuck needs some good advice. I think that you and I need some good advice as well. Here's some from Exodus 34. And the Lord came down in the cloud and he stood there with him, Moses, and proclaimed his name, the Lord. All right, stop for a second. This is the second time that God's really shown himself to Moses. The first one, you'll remember, was at the burning bush. And Moses actually asked him, who should I say is going to send me? And in that conversation, God had said, I'm going to lead you and the people out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Moses hesitated, not quite sure of all of that. Who should I say when they don't believe me or when they don't listen to me? Who should I say sent me? And you know the answer, I am that I am. There's not really a whole lot of description there, is it? Is there? It's just, I am. I am will be there with you, and I will lead them out. It's, a, it's the name of God's power. Well, here in the second instance of appearing to Moses, God is going to also talk about his name, but there's a different slant on it, and it's all about his goodness. He proclaimed his name, the Lord, and he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming his name, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love, and here's going to be our word today, faithfulness. A little bit of description on that word. He maintains his love to thousands and forgives wickedness, rebellion, and sin. He's a good God, good Because he's faithful. What all does that mean? Faithful. He's going to show up. He's going to be there. He's going to make promises. He's going to keep promises. He's always going to be there to provide for you of your needs. There's a hundred things we could make a list a mile long of what faithfulness means. 
But he's faithful. So let's go forward with that. Let's talk about God's character. This character trait specifically. His faithfulness. What do you got to have to be faithful? Or God in his character. What do you got to have? First off, you can see this in your bulletin if you want to write in there. God is omniscient. He knows everything. Hey, you wouldn't want a God who didn't know everything. And we could all say, hey, I think God's pretty smart, pretty smart about things. But it goes even further than that. There is nothing that God doesn't know. He knows everything. We'd have to have him that way to be fully faithful, right? Uh, Christina and I were talking about sun dogs the other day because we actually kind of saw one and we could see some of the crystals in the air. You know what I mean by a sun dog? It's almost like a winter rainbow, so to speak. So we were talking about how that thing gets formed. And she said, well, I thought. And I said, well, I thought. So she went to the Google, right? And then came these beautiful words. Okay, so you were more right than I was. (laughs) That's just beautiful, isn't it? Well, you can say it that way about God. You can say, all right, all right, God, you're more right than I am. Well, let's just go all the way. He's always right, okay? And as right as I could ever be, or as many times as I could be right, he is always right. He knows everything. He's omniscient. All right, what do we do with our life based on that truth? The next one, God's omnipotent. He is all-powerful. All-powerful. Ah, I can remember this debate question in college. Can God make a rock so big that he can't move it? (laughs) Just a little bit of a play on the fact or the truth that God is all-powerful. We don't need to get into any questions like that, but it sure is nice to know that God is all-powerful, if you believe that sort of thing anyway. Hmm. Do you remember... The first verse of the book, God created the heavens and the earth. He just spoke and it came into existence. Maybe you forgot that one. Oh, he is all powerful. Let there be light. And there was. And then came you. It just speaks it into existence. Man, he's all powerful. What does that truth say and hold for you today? How do you reconstruct your life around that truth? Why are you afraid? The next, God is omnipresent. He is always within reach. Boy, that's comforting, isn't it? Yeah, unless it's a Friday night, maybe. (laughs) And he's sitting there right beside you. Little scary, huh? But good. You want him that way. You want him that way. He's always within reach. He is always there. Always. How does that reconstruct your fears? No matter what you're going through, he is there and he's always within reach. Next, God is truthful. He is truthful. What he says comes to pass. Titus 1.1 says this, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ to further the faith of God's elect. He's trying to help us here. And to further their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, 
promised before the beginning of time. He does not lie. He's truthful. Next, God is immutable. 2 Timothy 2.13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Listen, he cannot disown himself. All right. So not only is God omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, not only is his truthful so you can rely on his word, all things that are the foundation of your and my life, but here it is. Even when your foundation crumbles, even when you fall short, even when things are not well, you can know this. God is not going to change. He's not going to change. He's immutable. He has a standard that you and I try to apply to our life. He has a standard of faithfulness that he cannot, because he is faithful, cross. Ah, that's good for you, isn't it? Even when you're not faithful, even when you don't fulfill the part of the covenant, even when your side of things is the weak leak of the chain, he can't. Because he's faithful, he cannot not be faithful. We got him stuck. I felt like I was really preaching good now and everything, everybody's going to forget. Ah. Is that, is, that, is that a new one put up? Somebody put up a new one? Oh, I didn't think I did anything. All right, um, where was I? <laughs> yeah, I was saying we got God right where we want him because he can't change. Even when we're faithless, he is faithful. He cannot disown himself. Or deny himself. He cannot break the standard that you and I so easily break in our life. He can't. So, you got him right where you want him. And methinks, friend, that we know that about him. And we take it for granted. Let's today, as we emphasize it, let's reinvigorate that idea in us. That we got him right where we want him. Psalm 119 Your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You established the earth and it endures as long as as he wants it to. His word holds it together. And so this is good. All right, I see the next one is up there. Let's go down some descriptions of his character, of his faithfulness, and how we can apply. First of all, He does not change. We've emphasized that one already, but here's Lamentations. Listen, verse 3, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. If this isn't a good news verse, what is? I'm going to start over. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. He sustains us. His compassions never fail, so he will always sustain us. They're new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. All right, here's one for the fellas. He empowers. May God himself, 1 Thessalonians 5, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. In other words, grow you and build you up. 
May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. He's faithful in building you up. All right, so where does this take you as far as your dreams? Where does this take you as far as knowing that you're going to grow into the future? Where does this take you as far as things that you want to be there but yet are not there? Well, he's the guy. He's the God who speaks and then it exists. And he's promised to call. He's called you. And the one who calls is faithful. He will do it. All right. So you just take a second where you are at personally in your own chair. What is the accomplishment that you feel like you've been put on earth for? In your job right now, that maybe has become a little stale. What, what were your initial dreams that you wanted to get to? What was the mark that you wanted to make? He's called you. You might have forgot a little bit about that call. Or all of the wind and the waves of the storm might have taken your eyes off the call and the accomplishment that you wanted to get to. But it's still there. And it's still for you. And he's called you. And he's faithful. And he empowers. Don't forget that around the corner, tomorrow on Monday, there's some empowerment that comes that you didn't see coming and you're back on track. He's faithful to empower you. Reconstruct your thinking around that. Next, he forgives. This one will speak to many. He forgives. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins... There's a whole lot in that. There's some, there's some remorse. There's some confession. There's some conviction. There's an honest responsibility taken of our sins. And he's faithful. He's also just. Unlike any court system that you and I would know of, he will forgive us of our sins and purify us from the unrighteousness. Thanks, John, for that one. I'm glad you walked with him. You felt it in your bones. And you portrayed that characteristic of Jesus to us. He is faithful to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You can bank on it. You might need that today. It's there. Next, he limits temptation. Thank you, God, for being that friend. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, I know that you've heard this one. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. So reconstruct your thinking about that. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also faithfully provide a way out so that you can endure it. This is a fun adventure right here, friends. That habit you got, the sin that you're stuck in, it's going to come around again. And you got this to go on now. He's not going to give me more than I can't handle. And he's going to be faithful to give me a way out. Let me find the back door out of this thing. Let me do it right this time. Let me turn over a new leaf. And let me start afresh as a man. He's faithful. Now it just remains for you and I to take that truth. Apply it. And let it transform us. Get us out of that rut. He limits our temptation. Job would have maybe had a little something to say about that. Job got tested, tempted, a wife right in his face. Curse God and die, Job. 
But he was going on this and was able to say, God gives, God takes away. I'm still going to praise the name of the Lord. The next one, he disciplines. He disciplines. That doesn't sound so great on the onset, but listen to Psalm 19. David had the right perception or perspective on this. Psalm 1975, listen closely. I know, Lord, that your laws are righteous. I think all of us are in that boat right now. We're aware of that. I know that your laws are righteousness and that in faithfulness you afflicted me. I trust you as a good dad, God, to discipline me for my good. You can faithfully trust him in that. All right. So your dad was faltering. Your dad fell short. Your dad didn't get this one right. This is good news, isn't it? The Hebrew writer says we all, had, we all respect our fathers uh, when they disciplined us. We wouldn't have respected them if they had no discipline for us. No discipline is fun when it's going on, but we respect our dads who did it. Because we know that behind that, as we've come to maturity, behind that was a love and a sacrifice and a thoughtfulness to say, i got to raise this kid right so he's ready for the world. And we respected them for that. How much more God, the perfect father, who's without sin, in faithfulness you afflicted me. So when the discipline comes, how does this help us? God, I know you're a good dad. Next, he always has purpose. Always has purpose. I know you know this one. This is Romans 8. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Look at all the purpose in these verses. For those God foreknew, he knew you before you existed, he also predestined, he determined a plan for you to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. God wants many followers and disciples of his son. So he put God's, or he put his son's example before us in the scriptures to see it, to know it, to apply it, so that we could become like him. All purpose in mind, because he knew you before you existed. And those he predestined, it's you, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. So he foreknew you, predestined you, then he called you, then he cleaned you up, and now he's ready to empower and glorify you. Boy, that's pretty good, isn't it? He's faithful in purpose. Your life might feel haphazard, but when it feels like that, establish yourself on the non-feeling truth that he's full of purpose, always faithfully. Next, he's able to keep us. Ephesians 4.30, it says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. If that's not a God who loves you, he's put his Holy Spirit in you to seal you like an envelope, protected, sealed, ready to go, ready to be mailed. Ready to go. He has sealed you and he's able to keep you. 
for the day of redemption. All right. Lastly, he promises us a resurrection body. This previous is all for this earth, but now in 1 Corinthians 15, so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. Each of us has that day coming. The body that is sown is perishable. It's raised imperishable, never to die again. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weaknesses, the frailties of humanity. It's raised in power. It's sown a natural body with all the aches and pains. It's raised completely different, a spiritual resurrection body. If there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body, Paul says to us in Corinthians. We're going to be given a new body. With the aches and pains of this life, what a great promise. Can we believe in it? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. All right, so all of those things are for you and I who have a measure of belief in God. But God is also faithful to those who don't believe. Can you imagine that? He's also faithful to them. Causes the rains to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. We know that verse. He's faithful to them in their needs. But we also need to know that what he says needs to be trusted. And those people need to know that what he says is also the truth and also, also faithful. John three thirty six: whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains in him. Unfortunately, that's also a faithful and true statement. And once again, God does not lie and cannot lie. The same comes from Revelation. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. True statements. Not great statements. But we want him that way. We want him that way. We want him to be truthful and just. But there's good news on the edge of that. There's good news. 1 Peter 3, 20 through 21. God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. It is not the removal of dirt from the body, but the appeal or prayer of a clear conscience before God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All right. So, this whole verse has its value, holds true, and affects you and I, if and only if God is truthful and faithful. All right? So, in this verse, and if you read chapter 3 of 1 Peter, it's almost like it's a baptism celebration that they're going through, and he's writing through this. But Peter tells us this, that in baptism, you and I have a prayer or an appeal before God. God, I am appealing to what you have said will happen to me because of your power in this baptism. Okay? 
So I can go into the waters of baptism, I can submit to those waters, and I go under the water, and I am, as Christ has told us in the scriptures, as Paul wrote in Romans, I am united with his death in baptism. His death is given to me. It's substituted for the death that I should have died for my own sins. The death is given to me. Please, God, you said that would happen. I'm going to be baptized now. Make it so. This is your prayer and your appeal to God's faithfulness because he said it so. In that baptism, I'm also buried. I am fully dead. And the penalty of my sin is fully covered and gone. Paid for. I don't have to worry about it anymore. In that baptism, I'm also crucified with Christ. Just another way of saying his death is given to me, substituted for the one that I should have died. It's an appeal for God to say, do this for me, God. In that baptism, I'm also, as I come up out of the water, I am united with his resurrection. I'm raised to a new life. The Holy Spirit now is guiding and empowering me. God, make it so in this baptism. I need it. (laughs) It's your appeal. It's your prayer. Let me read it again. God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water is a type or it symbolizes the water of baptism that now saves you also. It's not a bath. It's not the removal of dirt. It's nothing physical. It's all spiritual. It's the appeal and prayer of a clear conscience towards God. And it has its effect because Jesus went through his own death, was buried, and his own resurrection. And in that baptism, as Galatians says, we are clothed with Christ, his death, his burial, his crucifixion, his resurrection. That's the great transaction. And you and I can go into the waters of baptism, appealing to God to keep his promise, which he will, to keep his promise to do all of that in that baptism. And if your heart is in the right place when you go into the baptistry, do you not think that our faithful God will faithfully execute all that he's promised in his scripture and said that would happen in that baptism? Sure he will. Sure he will. Here's another one from Deuteronomy. More good news. The Lord, speaking to the nation of Israel, did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than the other peoples or other races, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you. And it was also because the Lord kept his oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Two wonderful things. God loved you, had affection for you, and also he said he would do it. And he can't go against what he says he's going to do. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God. I'm quoting the scripture here. Keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him 
and keep his commandments. I don't know, friend, you remember when they marched out of Egypt and they brought the bones of Joseph out of Egypt. It says they came out 400 years later to the very day. That's faithful. That's faithful. Do you know that Solomon's temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar on... uh, This one just came to my head. God gave it to me, but the dates. It was destroyed. They celebrate celebrate the destruction of that... Not celebrate, but they mourn the destruction of that temple... I believe it's on April 9th. Jewish people still do that today. Did you know that when Herod, a thousand years later, built his temple and then it got destroyed in 72 AD, it was destroyed on April 9th as well. Both of the temples that were built for God's dwelling destroyed on the same day. That doesn't really happen, does it? The same day. The same day they mourn that thing. God is faithful in all that he says. Both of those destructions were God's faithfulness meted out on people who had rejected him. Literally, the second one rejected his son. He's going to be faithful to all that he says. But this is good. We can rely on him. We can bank on him. He's not Lando Calrissian. Can we trust him? No. But he has no love for the empire. That's not God at all. (laughs) God is purely and truly faithful. And we can rely on that. We can allow it to put a little scare in us. But we can allow it also to carry us through when we are scared. We can allow it to challenge us in becoming who we're supposed to be in this life. And we can allow it to say, God, it's not there yet, but I know you're faithful and you can speak it into existence. We can rely on God's faithfulness. I'm going to have the team come up and lead us. We're going to just do this one, friends. We're going to have just an old-fashioned altar call. Um, That's the name of the song. Come to the... uh Uh-oh. Changed it. We're still going to do it, though. Um, The process of taking God at his word for his faithful salvation. If you've never given your life to the Lord, today's the day to do it. If you've never been baptized, this is the day to do it. This is the day to make your appeal before your faithful God who never lies to take advantage, to make it your own, to get his death on you, to get his life on you as well. Just to live out what he's promised to us. He is a great promiser. And by that I mean he makes great promises, but the promises are good news to you and I. Good news to you and I. Why would we not? Why would we not not only take advantage of them, but believe that they are true. I hope with that emphasis today on his faithfulness that you and I have a different way of looking at things. And maybe, maybe you're wanting to come up here but you're afraid. 
So let's do our original question. Why are you afraid? Is it people? What will people think? Why are you afraid? Come on up. Let's take advantage of God's wonderful faithfulness that's so good to us. And let's give him his due. And let's give him ourselves. You can go ahead and stand.